Hey there, I'm Brother Donnie Spano, and this is Faith for Today. And what a perfect time for us to come together and go ahead and build our faith and increase in pleasing God in all that we do. Doesn't that sound good to you? So together, let's go ahead and get in our Bibles. We are looking at humility today, and this is a wonderful topic. This is a foundation of Christianity, of being like the Master, of being like Jesus, and um, in fact, I'm going to read to you a quote by Brother Billy Graham. If you would go in your Bible to Matthew 11, verse 28, we'll look for from 28 through 30. But Brother Billy Graham, this is, I, I believe, a good foundation that couples with this uh, ministry. And it says, being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. Now, that is what a lot of people believe. They believe they, they get born again and then immediately they're just like and um, though our spirit is recreated there's a growth process and he, he continues and says it is a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ and if you want to find that you can that was one of the last books I believe before his home going that he wrote and um, this was a quote from that book and this is growing on me over over the course of time because there's no person in this earth that will go their whole life long and be at a place towards the end of their life where they can't be more and more like him and Jesus gives us a picture of what it's to be what it is to be like him and he actually called us to him and and has given us this directive to learn of him he wants us on an everyday basis to be taught and that's why I know a lot of our ministry is teaching ministry. You want to know why that is? Because us as believers need to grow. We need to be strong. And that's going to come by growing up in faith. That's going to come by being like a child. They need to be nourished up. Well, the scriptures say that we can be nourished by words of faith. Faithful words. And so together, let's look at this because Jesus has given us what is our task on a daily basis? Thank you, Father. To be more like Him, if we're going to come to Him and learn of Him, there's something that, there's a task that's undertaken. And that is, we'll see here, humility. And it says in the 28th verse, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, Notice this is a fellowship. Jesus isn't looking to just have your one day of the week. He's looking to have fellowship with us all the time. And so he's on a constant basis endeavoring for us to come to him. And, you know, you might be surprised. Jesus might enjoy listening to your music with you on the way to work. He may, you know, we have uh, relegated, many have relegated uh, spiritual things and they have put it in this box where it has to be this particular prayer in this particular way this is not prayerful uh, way of life prayerful way of life is on an ongoing basis we are open to him looking to him and fellowshipping fellowship means we do talk with him but we're also sensitive and listening as he's talking with us and people have made that to be a very weird thing. It's not supposed to be weird at all. It's how Jesus lived. He lived in such a way 
he knew clearly what God the Father wanted of him. There would be times, it, and this is something, it's not supposed to be a grudging process. If we're not enjoying the prayer life, we're, not, we're doing something wrong. Jesus could, on multiple occasions, go the whole night long in prayer and spending time with God the Father. He wasn't grueling and making himself do this. He got something out of this time. This, I mean, if we look at it today, going on a, a long hike or something, something you just enjoy to do. You, you're out there, you see beautiful scenery, and you're quiet, and you're sensitive, and you're in a place to fellowship. And Jesus could go all through the night and do this. And he's saying, look, come to me. I'm going to show you this way. Now, if you are like me, you want more of this. You want to be more and more like him. And that's why we're preaching this. That's why we're teaching this. Because if we're going to be strong, good representatives of him, looking just like him, then we're going to have to build our faith in this area. And so in continuation, he said, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Are there some of those today? Yes, there are. And what is Jesus' response? He will give us rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So the learning is something that is ongoing. It's not specific to a certain group or age or generation. You and I throughout our lifespan could continually come to, the, come to Jesus' class and learn from him every day. And you can learn in any dynamic and setting. It could be on the job, it could be in the home, it can be in any place. You can be on a date with your spouse or with someone you're looking to be as a spouse and him teach you right in that place how to conduct yourself in his way. I want to know more, how about you? So he continued and said, learn of me for what? For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. So there is a fruitfulness that comes by obedience to these words. And he continues and says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now we've talked some more in regards to these, but for time's sake, we won't go all into it. They're free. Go ahead. You can download and subscribe to the podcast Faith for Today. And you can find our YouTube channel or our Facebook page. And you can find this ministry at our website all through. It's free to you. So uh, we encourage you. Make good use of it. Now I'm going ahead. I did not tell you. I apologize. Romans 12. Let's look at Romans 12, 1 through 3. Now many are familiar with these verses in... Um, you know, renewing our minds. You know, one of the things as born again ones is that our minds are not renewed. Have some of the same old, you know, some people had this phrase they came up with over the years, stinking thinking. The same old thoughts that continue on with, that mind does not get recreated. It's not an instantaneous change. The spirit is. But there's a whole part of us that needs a continuous renewal. And we'll also see coupled with these verses here is faith. How God has given to us the measure of faith. But right in the midst of these few verses, 
God starts to talk about through these verses that not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. So you see right in the midst of this faithful way, which is the way that renews the mind to what is God's way and what God has done, is this foundation of humility, which is Jesus' way. He said, come to him and learn this way, his way, humility. And so let's look at that. And it says here in the first verse of chapter 12, I beseech you. Now, this could be made known to be like a pleading and urging. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. If you and I don't present ourselves, we will not be presented. And he said a, that you, excuse me, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be, you, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the only way you and I are going to prove the perfect will of God is by finding this way. This is the faithful way that pleases God. And it's the way that knows how to humble theirself, find God's way, be willing and obedient, and do it just that way. And he continued and said, For I say through the grace given to me to every man that's among you, not to think of, you could say, their self more highly than they ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every person. Now, man, I'm interchanging with, I, I want this to be known throughout every person the measure of faith. God has given, us, given to us His faith. And His faith is for fellowship. When He puts that faith in there, it gives you and I His ability to trust in the way that's of Him. And that, it, it gives us the requirements needed to tap into a spiritual way of life. Because the only way you and I can touch a spirit is by faith. We are spirit. If we're going to tap in and fellowship with God who's spirit, it's going to take his faith. So he deposited it right into you and, and, and I. And in so doing, there's this foundation of humility and not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. There's an honesty and integrity that's founded in this faith. Hallelujah. Now let's go together. And we're going to go to, we're going to build upon this for today because we're looking at an aspect of Jesus' life. He did not seek to impress, but if you and I look through his life and ministry, my word was he impressive. And um, let's go together to, where to, Lord? Let's go to Luke 18 verses, I will... Yes, sir. Okay. Go to verse 17. Luke 18, 17. Father, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for helping us by your grace, giving us the ability to speak, but to hear as well, to hear right with the right heart. Thank you for preparing us for your words and for helping us as we go out from here to be doers of your word. In Jesus' name. Thank you. And um, 
I told you Luke 18 verse, I said 17, didn't I? Um, let's go to verse 18. And it says in Luke 18, 18, and a certain ruler asked him saying, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, is Jesus a good master? Oh, yes, he is. I don't uh, suspect that this young ruler was expecting the response he got. And uh, part of the reason why he left and did not continue, I don't think he was expecting this at all. Jesus said to him, why call you me good? Why do you call me good? Jesus is saying this. Jesus continues and says, none is good save one, that is God. Jesus was clear on who his source was. And you don't find a single time where he took credit for a wonderful thing that was done. Any time that something was done and, and you and I could step back and go, that's impressive. Jesus would not take any credit for it. He wouldn't say it was of him. He wouldn't say the good came from him. And this is who we're learning from. You and I can learn this. It can be so, there are things we do that are so habit, it takes time to change it and adapt it. And you and I can have this way of life that is so ingrained in us that without knowing it, we just go the humble way. And it spares us destruction. It spares us what others fall from. What's the opposite of this? Pride. Pride goes before a fall. Pride is the very nature of Satan himself. It's the very thing that caused him who was so beautiful to be cast down and made to nothing. You and I can miss out on that time and time again. We can be ingrained in the way of the master. And so we find here that Jesus said, there's none that's good save one, that's God. Now you can find that again if you want to couple it. You can find it in uh, Matthew 19 verse 17 and Mark 10, 18. But we're going to continue. Let's go to Matthew 22 verse 15. And I know I said that last one quick. If you want to see the other uh, verses for that, we're going to go to Matthew 22, 15, and we'll go through 22. Matthew 22, 15 through 22. But back on that other one, guys, if you want to know, Matthew 19, verse 17, and Mark 10, verse 18. Now, let me catch up with you here in Matthew 22. Jesus was known to not, to not be partial in what he was doing. And you'll see that through these verses. Matthew 22, verses, verse 15, we'll start. And it said, Then went the Pharisees, and they took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that you are true. Well, it sounds like they're talking kind, friendly. We know you're true, and teach the way of God in truth. Neither care you for any man. Neither do you care for any man. For you regard not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what, what think you? What do you think? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? 
But Jesus perceived their wickedness. So they came with something, and as they brought it, they twisted it. That's what wicked is. It's twisted. It's perverted. And he said, why, uh, why do you tempt me? Hypocrites, show me the tribute money. And they brought to him a penny, and he said to them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they said to him, This is Caesar's. So then said he to them, Okay, render therefore to Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled, they left him, and they went their way. So you find here, as we look at this, Jesus, though he did not regard man, though he was not, uh, the Luke's version of this says, he did not accept the person of men. He did not regard the person of men. So he was not very partial. He wasn't looking at, well, they're a king, so I'm going to give them this kind of uh, special privilege and special attention. He didn't live and operate like that. And um, yet here he's given, why are they bringing this to him? Because they want him to rebel and they want him to resist. They want him to show his kingdom and go against Caesar. That's what they want. They want a way to take him in and take him down and take him out. And Jesus gave them no place. Why? Because he had humbled himself. And he found this fine line in life, this narrow way, that although he was not seeking to impress a person, even the king of the, the nation he's in, he also was not going to allow that to cause him to rebel, resist, and be disrespectful. And he found that narrow road. That's our road. That's our way. Pay attention here. Pay attention. Focus. That's our way. That's our way. That's for us. And... Um, Thank you, Jesus. He had this about him. We're going to see it in these other verses. We'll go to it. He was not seeking to impress anybody. And yet, this action was so impressive, it stopped the questioning immediately. They, you'll find later on, they would question him no more. They could not find an inlet in which to accuse him, in which to, it wasn't his time. Thank you, Father. Now, let's continue in this. I want you to see it. Let's go to Galatians 1, verse 10. Galatians 1, 10. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for allowing us and enabling us to be more like you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Verse 10 says, For do I... Now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I what? I should not be the servant of Christ. So Paul, by the Spirit of God, is saying, I have a choice. And I can choose to persuade men or I can choose to persuade God. I can't do both. If I'm looking to persuade you, 
then I'm missing out on the other. And you and I are going to have to choose who are we here to please? Who are we here to impress? And is it worth not pleasing another? Is it worth not impressing the right one? You want to impress God? (laughs) Then we're going to have to refuse to seek impressing others. And if we want to be impressive, that is the key. The key to being impressive, we have to die to this desire to, to please, to impress other people. The Lord gave it to me in such a way. Uh, uh, he said this. He said, we must make the choice. If we want to impress, we'll fall short of being impressive. If we want to be impressive, we'll have to refuse the inclination and desire to impress. If we want to be impressive, we will have to refuse this desire that inclines itself inside of our old nature that wants to have other people like us, appreciate us, think highly of us. If we are seeking that, We're not seeking the fathers. We'll have to make a choice. And so he said, Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Please God or please men? What's our choice? So now let's go to Galatians 2, verse 6. Thank you, Lord. Paul was looking and talking about how he had gone and visited with his fellow to the church at Jerusalem. And there were profound ones there. There was James, the half-brother of Jesus. He at that time was the the pastor of that church. And there was Peter, profound. He was one of the first spokespeople of the church. And um, there were notable people in that church. There were notable people in this conference that they had. Because they're coming together because there are people that are saying, you have to be circumcised in order to be right with God. And they said, listen, that's going to be hard to get across to these other nations. And it just doesn't seem right. So let's go talk with the elders about this. And so here in verse number 6, I said, let me get there with you. Paul said, uh, but of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it makes no matter to me. God accepts no man's person. God accepts no man's person. That means God's not going to treat you and I different based on the, the money we might have in the bank or based on the clothes that we may be wearing or based on some demographics we have, or whether we have a spouse or don't. He's not looking at things like these, small details of our life, and determining, okay, I'm going to treat you this way and you this way. He doesn't accept person. You could say personality. He's not looking at those things. He's looking more at character. He's looking more at our heart. He sees right in there. He knows who loves him. And that is what's important to him. 
And um, Paul is ministering this and saying, listen, God does not accept any persons. And these people that seem to be somewhat, what does that mean? People knew them. They were in a position. They were in a place. They seemed to be something. And it says, he said, by the Spirit of God, it makes no matter to me because God accepts no man's person for they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. You know, just because you and I seem to be something, we need to look back at the end. Was God able to use what he said through us and did through us? Did it build anything? Did it add anything to anybody? Because if it didn't, what was the point? So here we see when you and I put to death the flesh and we make it primary that irregardless of what any person thinks, because what? I'm not accepting the person. I'm not looking for them to be okay with me or give me the regard. I don't need that. Why? Because I have a greater. I have one who is pleased. I faithfully do whatever he tells me to do and say what he puts in my heart to say. And I'm going to continue doing that irregardless of what anyone thinks about it. Why? Because pleasing him is far more important. I will please him if the world hates me. It, it can be me and him and I'd be okay. This is foundation of Christianity where you have given up everything for the one. Paul had talked about this. He said, you know, all those things that I had, he grew up uh, very much, very educated, had a great position in, in the Jews' religion. He said, I counted all trash to know him and the excellency of his power and the, to know the sufferings of him and to be counted together with Christ. That's all garbage. They can have it. He gave it all. We give it all for the master. And when we can maintain that heart and keep that, we can be the most impressive individuals in this earth. There's no price that can buy us and sway us and get us to try and impress. No, we're sold out. We are all in. We've put it all into the master and it makes us some of the most impressive souls in this earth. Yeah, you. You are God's best. Yes, you are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Go with me, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 4. Thank you, Father. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. Thank you, Father. And it says here, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as what? Not as pleasing men, but God, which tries our hearts. He sees our hearts. We don't need, if I'm focusing, if you're focusing on pleasing them, then there's something over here we're missing. And if it's God, we have a problem and we need to adjust. And the only option for us is to what? Humble ourselves, present ourselves to him. Can you see this? And Jesus is saying, this is my way. 
This is how I live. This is how I operate. Come and learn of me. Come be like me and you'll find rest. You know, there's things that I've noticed over the years that as it came to me, I realized I'm supposed to do that. And I didn't have rest within myself until I did. And I did what I needed to do and getting prepared for it. And then it came to that place and I said, all right, there's no turning back. And for lack of a better word, burnt the bridge behind me. Already made the decision. Wasn't leaving any opening to go backwards. And as I did it inside me, it was so easy. And I found rest. And I say that because that's for all of us. When we submit ourselves to Him, put ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we enter into rest that is beyond our mind and soothes our soul. And it's what is needful today. If you want that, receive it now. Receive it now by faith. Take it into yourself. Allow it to work in you. Just open up to Him. Say, Father, Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. I want you. I want your will. I want your way. Forgive me if I've missed it before, but I choose you now. Thank you. And I'm telling you, you're entering into the most restful, peaceful spot you can be. Praise God. That's faith for today, my friends. We will see you soon. We love you. We bless you.